0: Ebony, the Prog Edition. I'm pretty sure I've forgotten to introduce myself uh, the past couple of episodes. But I'm Ebony, your host. I'm sure you figured that out from the podcast title. But anyway, let's recap last episode. I chatted to Monique Pym from Relica, and they are the band that actually created the Educate Ebony intro track, which is a very, very cool piece of music that I'm still so stoked about. And she said to listen to System of a Down's album, Toxicity while cleaning. So I did a bit of a spruce up of the lounge and watered all my plants too. You can see the listening notes on my socials at Educate Ebony. But the album, okay, so the first half, or I guess the first couple of songs were very like vocally driven. You know, I felt the chaos and it almost didn't let up and it almost seemed that it just drowned out everything else, which I guess maybe was the point. Maybe they're just trying to get the lyrical content like down your throat, which is, that's fine. You know, but then it mellowed out and the instruments came into it and I heard some variation in delivery, which I did like. I'm not saying I didn't like the start of the album. I think that's just what I like immediately noticed. Um, seriously though, I did like the album a lot. Cool band, very cool album. My fave is definitely Still Aerials. Such a beautiful track. And I also liked X and A-T-W-A. I don't know what that stands for. I didn't look it up. But yeah, definitely gonna be listening to that one again and again. So if you haven't put it on, Do it right now or just do it after this episode because, you know, you've already started it. So it's fine. Anyway, so thank you to Mon. That was great. Now, just a heads up for this episode, I did mess up with the recording of this one and the audio is a bit whack in some places. So please forgive me, but do enjoy because it's a great chat. Alrighty, Okay. For this episode of Educate Ebony, the prog edition, I would love to introduce Jim Gray, he is the very charismatic frontman of Brisbane's prog metal band Caligula's Horse. I stayed up way too late, past my bedtime, to see them when they toured in April, but it was 100% worth it. He is also a Twitch streamer and a podcast host as well, so welcome.
1: Hello. Yes, I do a lot of talking on and off stage. They can't stop me.
0: <laughs> That's why we got you on.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but... um. Tell me about your podcast. It started this year called The Music and Everything.
1: Yes. Yeah. That was a, a project that sort of came to me when I was hanging out with my brother Sam and his wife Sam. <laughs> and we, we always find ourselves kind of at family gatherings and it ends up being just us talking about stuff and getting amped about new shit that we've talking about. And it kind of went like, yeah, I I want to start a podcast. And that seemed to be the format. And the minute that the title of like the music and everything came to me, it was like, yeah, cool. Awesome. We can just research. Well, I say we, they can just research topics (laughs) and we can just record and talk about it for an hour or so and then do that. So it's been really, really fun. Going quite well, actually.
0: That's nice. I do find podcasting quite satisfying yeah it's it's like
1: in a chill way like we haven't put any pressure on ourselves like and then to go back is just like yeah i want to do something that is for fun and Mm -hmm. you know it's and and it's quite rewarding yeah
0: definitely definitely well i think Kiligula's horse makes uh very exciting music and i'm going to throw myself under the bus here and say that until your gig or until after your gig i didn't actually realize it was a person or a person's horse a roman man i just thought it was a cool name and i was like i can't believe i didn't know this i am an uneducated (laughs) that that is
1: strange but i mean like there are stranger band names than a made up thing but yeah caligula (laughs) roman emperor (laughs) douchebag by all reports absolute maniac bunch of fun stories about that dude like apparently and they're probably mostly made up you know by historians after the fact trying to make him look bad but uh you know, sending uh, an army of dudes out to the to the ocean to hack at the waves to wage war on Poseidon. You know, that kind of stuff. Come on. Making his uh, horse a, a console to piss off the Senate. And uh, the reason we ended up picking it as the band name, it was, it was originally going to be the name of um, Sam's solo album, that, which is how the band kind of started back in 2011, because it means, as an idiom, kind of like a fish out of water, a Caligula's horse, someone who doesn't belong where they are. And that suited us to a T, so we picked that. But, you know, cue Radiohead's freak. (laughs) Yeah, so that's why we picked that. It's strange, it's regretful, but it starts with the letter C. So if you're going by alphabet, we're up there, you know what I mean?
0: Really plan that out. And here we are. All right, well, let's get to it. What is, in your opinion, the one progressive album I need to hear?
1: You need to hear so many albums. Okay. You have to, you have to hear so very many, but the (laughs) one that I picked today is Watershed by Opeth, which is one of my personal favorites. Okay. It's from the year 2008, I discovered, because I have the wiki page open on my other screen here, because again, COVID brain, I'm a melty man. (laughs) yeah, 2008, which doesn't feel like that long ago, but it is.
0: Did you hear it when it first came out? Was that the year?
1: Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I remember, I think I came into Opeth quite late, you know, for prog heads and whatever, because for reasons, I don't know, but I, I came in at the previous album, which was Ghost Reveries, which is awesome as well. You should definitely listen to that. But Ghost Reveries is like, I don't know, it was it was a far more kind of approachable sound compared to what they had done previously with all of, you know, historically. And it kind of everyone went, Holy shit. They they had an experience like me and the follow-up Watershed is an incredible piece of art because it almost kind of finds the balance between those things and it kind of doesn't lean into like, hey, this is what brought us a little bit more success and a little bit more. It's like, it is a whole piece of art and I fucking love it. I love it so very much.
0: That's cool. I have to say, I honestly haven't listened to much Opeth. (laughs) Other bands, yes. That's what this is for. You and
1: like most people, I guess. You know, it's like whenever I meet somebody, and you know, because you do the school thing, you know, getting to know other parents of friends' kids and stuff, and they're all really nice. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll find out after a little while. You're in a band. It's like, oh my god, what's the band called? I'm like, yeah, Calculus Horse. And they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I haven't heard of you. Yeah, you and most people, no one else. Um, <laughs> but again, no, it's fine. Lots of people, lots of people don't listen to Opeth. In fact, a lot of people that did listen to Opeth don't listen to Opeth anymore after they changed their sound after this <laughs> this particular album.
0: oh Oh. so this was like a turning point
1: yeah kind of that like they went after this like they dropped all the death growls and stuff from their whole catalog and decided to go we're going along this 70s prog kind of route which obviously michael the, the sort of lead member of the band and vocalist that's what he loves you know so he just wanted to go and do that and he does it remarkably well but a lot of people kind of went, you know, oh, where's the growls? Where's the heavy mirror? Mm. It doesn't sound like Opeth. And and I would argue that if you went and listened to Opeth's whole catalog, like if you can't hear the old Opeth in the new Opeth, you are not listening. You mm. know, and just because there's no growls in there doesn't mean that the tone and the the journey and the artistry isn't the same. But, you know, I get it.
0: Yeah. That's very interesting. I mean, Then, okay, so what makes this album so great for you? Why do you think, why did you choose this one, essentially? Out of all the other Opeth albums, you could have chosen, chose,
1: chose, chose, chosen, chosen, Chopsticks, (laughs) mostly because for me, I I think it was at the right time. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd had the Ghost Reveries experience. So it's a nostalgia element as much as it is a quality of the the music element. But also, yeah, so it was at the right time, like, you know, listening to it and kind of being a little bit more mature artistically as well. Like you know, I was a little bit older, I'd been in bands for a little bit longer and I'd kind of was looking at songwriting a bit more and then and kind of dissecting it. So I I loved the experience of experiencing this album, which happened like three years before Seahorse started. Also, in terms of the the song writing, it's got like a lot more unstructured or well, no that sounds bad. Maybe like through composed stuff. So it's like it's not necessarily our typical structure of a song as you'd understand it to be or even something that has like recurring themes, some of the songs start and then just go on this journey, which is why it's kind of hard. Like if I was going to go through and list all the tracks and tell you about them, I don't don't think I actually could because it's kind of like, Mm. you know, have somebody asks you how to drive to your house and you don't know.
0: Yeah, you just go. You
1: just just go go. and then you turn right at the right spot. Like that's how I always describe what it's like to write and perform really long songs on stage. But it's also like Mm. listening to this. I kind of don't know the songs unless I'm on that, Root home you know but yeah that that whole that whole writing style is what really hooks me particularly going back and listening because when I chose to do it I'm like yeah I spun it a couple of times this week and it was just like fuck it's good it's so <laughs> good I really like it
0: did that influence your writing style with Caligula's
1: definitely I don't know about like actively like I don't think for me because I don't write instrumentally for the band the composition and stuff is between myself and Sam historically, where it's like, Sam will have all this instrumental stuff and then we'll kind of shape it together around where I'm going vocally and that kind of thing. So it's like, it's collaborative in that sense, but like, I don't go away and write riffs and things like that. But in terms of artistry and how I want to approach a song and the kind of journey that I want a song to take, absolutely. 100%. Like one of our songs from In Contact, Dream the Dead, it's probably up there with one of my favorite Seahorse songs, actually. And it's probably my favorite to sing. It's right up there. But um, it does have that through composed kind of vibe. The whole, like, you know, if I'm trying to think of a part in a song, I've got to, i got to go through it and like, oh yeah, th- there I am. I'm at that bit. Yeah. Um, and it has the uh, a terminal ending, this, this thing that they do on this album as well. Actually, I was going to bring that up. True. I'm just talking <laughs> now. I'm just talking. I'm just getting excited. They do a thing pretty uh, on a couple of different songs on this album where it's like you've got this terminal ending, which is like unrelated musically or thematically. Well, not necessarily, but there's no melodic or rhythmic motifs from earlier in the song in it. It's a separate thing. Mm -hmm. And it just ends with this repeated theme that kind of either goes to a fade out or or comes to a stop. And we've done that a couple of times in our songs as well. And I don't know whether that's like a passive influence or a direct one, but um, short answer, yes. (laughs) After all that.
0: No, that's cool. That's definitely cool. And I find that especially with such influential albums like like this one, I guess, and for me doing the podcast, like I'm never going to forget the first time I listened to this album or previous albums that I've listened to as well, because somehow I've made it special. But do you remember the first time you heard it? Was it that influential from the start?
1: (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I don't don't remember this morning, Ebony. I don't.
0: Oh, um... COVID. (laughs)
1: there are a couple of like i have some really nice memories from that time between the years of like 2004 and 2008 being you know early i was in a band called arcane and we were just finding our feet and i was like 17 when we were writing our first music together and stuff and you know wearing the stinky torn jeans and old band shirts and in a car that had like two dollars worth of petrol in it just chugging along listening to dream theater and shit in the car like i i remember that i have Wonderful memories of early Opeth. Um, well, early for me, I should say. But uh, no, no, not a specific date. Like it's not the death of Lady Diana. I don't. Um, it's it's yeah. it's not that strong.
0: <laughs>
1: I also don't remember the death of Diana either.
0: Neither do I. When but... was that?
1: What year know. was that? I was I'm young. I'm gonna look it up.
0: We'll just do a hey series. Let's go. Princess what year did Diana... Princess Diana die? Diana, Princess of Wales,
1: died the 31st of August, 1997 at age 36. Yeah. In... 36? Oh, Christ, that's sad. I'm 36 at the end of the year. Now I'm more upset Ooh. because it relates to me. And of course that...
0: <laughs> but you passed the 27. Passed the 27. You know, I am past pub. 27.
1: Well and truly.
0: Maybe this is, this is the next one. 36. Whew.
1: 36. I've got to get past Princess Di. You can do it. This is dark. This is pure darkness. I don't know how we got here. Was this me? Mm -hmm. It was me, wasn't
0: it? It's my bad. Oh, my goodness. No, but I do want to go back to um, how you said the album, like it just sort of flows. And I think especially with today's music and today's attention span and all the short three-minute songs and stuff where they're like, oh, this is the best song on the album, this is the best song on the album, blah, 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 whereas you couldn't, you saying you can't quite do that with this album. You have to listen to the entire thing in one go. Just listen to it. Put it on. Play it straight yeah, through.
1: That's just me. You know, I I'm sure there are legit. people that go like, ah, you know, it's it's the Lotus Eater or a Tex Omega or you know, like one of the tracks from this. You know, oh, I like ballads, so it's Burden. But but again, it's like for me, albums like this, and I I feel like it's the mark of a good album is if it's an album that makes me want to press play and not stop. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't want to go and listen to singles, and and this is why, like, I'll buy albums like this on vinyl too, because I'll go and and because you can't skip a track, no, without risk. <laughs> Put it on. Here's the side. Here's the side. We're going to listen to this album in full. And um, there's really only a, a few albums that I have that are that that I, I must do that with. I think another one which is, which you should definitely listen to is uh, uh, Destria by Agent Fresco. That's a wonderful album.
0: I've never heard of them. That's my secondary. Yeah, they're from,
1: they're from Iceland.
0: Oh. Iceland? Iceland?
1: I'm so glad I have Google here. I'm so glad I have Google here. Agent Fresco. We live in the future. Iceland, nailed it. Why did I doubt myself? <laughs> they formed in 2008, which is when this album was released. I'm tying it in. I'm tying it into relevant content.
0: Full circle. All right, so when I'm listening to this album, um, yeah. other than the, the like... I don't know the word that you used because it was much more eloquent than I'm going to just say, like, the abrupt stops or the, the endings, the very...
1: Uh, the, the extended ending. kind of terminal ending.
0: Terminal endings. I'm learning more and more every day. Is there anything yeah. else I should look out for?
1: Um, oh, man, I can't remember which goddamn track it is because I'm not driving home. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's one earlier in the album, it might be the end of The Lotus Eater, where it goes to this very big, open, almost like the credits rolling kind of vibe. It's like this semi-triumphant mm-hmm. ending kind of theme to the whole thing. And there's a there's a couple of others on there as well. In fact, there's a very strange one that ends with this single uh, acoustic guitar playing this rhythm and you can hear the strings gradually getting detuned by other people as it's being played and it just mm. it starts to just kind of melt. And that's weird. Actually, th- that's a really good thing. That Throughout this album, this is one thing that stands out with this album for me compared to some of their other work because I feel like this, it's a lot of it is designed to keep you on edge. Like you don't quite know what's going to happen next. Even It starts with this beautiful acoustic ballad and that just kind of hangs because you never quite know when it's going to go to the whole next thing. And you can really feel it ramping into it. But the use of discord through this whole album is is really unsettling. Like things that are a little bit grindy or rubby against each other. Don't, don't quite mesh. And at the end of that same song, no. Yeah, at the end of the song that has the kind of terminal ending that I spoke about with the big epic uh, ending credits kind of thing, you start to feel that tension and you're not quite sure why because it's quite consonant at that point. And then the band cuts out and you just hear that over the top there are two guitars, probably an Evo, just this straight thing and they're a semitone apart. It's just this sound that's just been hanging over the last repeat for a while and it just goes. You feel kind of off kilter. You feel like you're, you're not walking straight. And I like that. Ooh. That's one of the cool things about the album
0: that's very cool I never would have thought i don't know I guess I couldn't imagine a whole album being so for lack of a better word like off you know
1: yeah it's very I mean, it doesn't I mean again these are awful words you know what <laughs> I mean? it's like yeah the whole thing's off it's, it's great it's great it's great uh you know they, it, it's um they they also play rhythmically with that as well where it's like you've got this thing that's like in a really stompy straight kind of four feel it's really really easy and then just at the end of a repeat they'll add an anticipation that you don't expect mm. which means that again if you were walking in step with that you've just missed a step oh it's like it's like dropping a beat out of the bar so it's like you've yes. got um, say it's you know you've got four beats and this one just has three or you have a bar of seven eight after that or something like that just that one little missed step means that like if again you're running and oh you got to catch up that kind of thing and so it makes you physically feel um unsettled in that beat and they do that rhythmically they do that um melodically as well and harmonically with the
0: nasty rubs that's super interesting yes as someone who really appreciates when things like work in time like the moment the windscreen wipers line up with whatever i'm playing oh man (laughs) if i could savor that two seconds
1: (laughs) waiting for your indicators to start uh, blinking in time with the indicator in front of you. Yes. Yeah, that's very satisfying indeed.
0: This is going to get me this album, I think. Oh, my gosh.
1: I mean, how do you go with distorted vocals like uh, growls and things?
0: Oh, I think they're really cool.
1: Nice. Yeah. Open mind is good. Uh, the, yeah. the, Michael's vocals are amazing. He was my introduction as well to distorted vocals in general because like, mm. I came from like a choral background, Really? You know, yeah, as a kid, like singing in a choir, that's where I got all my vocal training from as a kid. And then went on and studied classical voice at uni, studied jazz at uni, and then went on. Never graduated. I didn't graduate. I quit. Um, But (laughs) uh, (laughs) I quit. That's fine. I was lazy and mentally ill.
0: Look at you now. Look at me now.
1: Standing in front of a half a green screen. Yeah. Um, broke as fuck so the, <laughs> what, what, the hell, what am I even talking about
0: join a band guys it's great anyway um distorted vocals that's your introduction yeah
1: that's right yeah thank you <laughs> yeah like I I never got into it I, I never I like I looked down I was really arrogant and young and kind of like eh, it's not real singing and you know yeah. um I ended every sentence with bleh. and uh Then this, well, the previous album came out and that was kind of the change um, at Ghost Reveries, it's just like, oh, wow, that's what that can sound like. And you can kind of hear his diction a bit better. It's a really open sound. It never sounds strained. And he'll just flip to this beautiful open baritone Mm. with ease back and forth. And that was the first time I'd really heard that properly. And um, yeah, so we we actually toured with these guys a bunch. What? uh, Yeah. And it was like, One of those ones where you're like, don't let them see you cry. (laughs) Don't let them see you freaking out about this. Be cool. And then you freak out and you're not cool at all. So, yeah, we played shows in Australia with them. We did Australia and New Zealand. And we then did, we had a couple of one-off shows with them in Brisbane as well over the years. And a handful of shows in Europe too. We played uh, some Switzerland shows with them, which was just unreal. Uh, one of those ones where you're just like on the stage looking at this massive crowd and just having the, the, I try to be present at least once during a show. I try to kind of like look out and go like, I'm here, I'm doing yeah. this. I'm not going to forget this immediately as I walk off stage. And that one was just like a, ha ha ha. What is my life? Uh, this is a goddamn joke. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you meet the guys, like Michael is a sweetheart. He, he makes time for people. I've, I have not seen someone so good with so many fans, like leaving the venue we're dragging our luggage out with all our stinky laundry, trying to go to the nearest like <laughs> shitty hotel that we're staying at, packing into our tiny van and their tour bus is there. And he's at the door of the tour bus. He just going to fucking go to bed. You know what I mean? It's what, it's all you want to do. Mm-hmm. And because the fans are fans, they waited by the two of us to make sure that they got to see him. And every single one of them, he didn't just like meet photo by, he was chatting with them, being charming and funny and being, you know, and uh, yeah, he's a legend, that guy really and very funny extraordinarily funny like him on stage he has this very dry sense of humor like a very rich bassy voice that I'm not going to imitate now because I don't have one um (laughs) with my Australian twang but he's he's, he does these like you know I'm going to say jokes I guess but it's just pure dry humor that if you weren't aware that he was joking you know you'd think he was being stupid or something I have no idea how to describe it but then I was just like, yeah, that's a cool stage presence. Then you meet him and that's just him. That's just, he's, he's just that funny the whole time. It's awesome.
0: Oh my God. That's really cool. Really cool to hear you talking about an album. You toured with the band. You're a real fan.
1: We toured on their Sorceress album, which it's not their most recent, but it was the second most recent. And it, it's very seventies proggy. There's like some real Jethro Tully kind of vibes through it as well. Ugh. And uh, it didn't resonate with me straight away. And then after touring with them, it was just like, yeah.
0: <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty cool. Oh, I love it. Why do you think this album stands up this year, 2022, and will or may not in future years?
1: I feel and this is a big call Ooh. that this is timeless. I genuinely feel that. I think that it's one of those ones where it is so far removed from trend that it you could be placed anywhere. It, it because they are their own creature, oh, that they're a true original, so it's like where they do draw their influence from, and I say that like there's an obvious 70s prog influence and like Michael really loves that stuff, but it's not a, uh, an appropriation. You know, it's, they're, they're not imitating that. They're doing their thing, something that is truly unique. And because of that, it doesn't have any of that kind of like, you know, oh, whatever mm-hmm. trend was happening in 2008. It doesn't mirror any of that. They were sort of guiding what happened through just being original. So you could put this album on now And be told that it came out yesterday and absolutely believe it. And I think that that would be the case going forward as well. Because the production is also delicious. So it's like, it's not even, yeah, it's not going to (laughs) date. It's not going to date.
0: Oh, I like that. Nice. All right. And this is the, this is the real cracker of a question. Uh, You're allowed to take some time to think with your COVID fogged brain. What are my listening notes? How should I listen to this album? What should I be doing? Should I be in a certain place? What do you reckon?
1: Get comfortable and concentrate. And I don't mean concentrate in like the whole kind of like, I'm going to count every beat and every bar. I just mean like be in a place where you're focusing on the music. It's not background music. And if you put it on in the background, it might make whatever else you're doing hard (laughs) to do. So like, you know, sit down, glass of wine, and listen to it like you're watching a show. You know, this is my time to experience this thing because uh, you got to do it. You have to do it. It's going to be awesome.
0: I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. The glass of wine, I like that addition. Um, I will definitely chuck that in.
1: (laughs) I'm an enabler. It's my role.
0: That's totally fine. Well, is there anything else you want to add about this album that we should know before we wrap it up?
1: Um, Yeah, actually. One little thing I forgot to mention before. Mm -hmm. One of my favourite things about Opeth, and it's sort of true for their whole history, is that when they write riffs, they generally don't necessarily write short like two to four bar riffs like you'll, you know, your regular kind of riff that goes for X length and then we loop that. You'll hear riffs on this that go for a full eight or more bars. They're just like this ever-growing, ever-changing thing and then it's just like that's the end of the riff and now we're looping. And another thing that they do in terms of songwriting and, and pay attention to this because this is like just amazing artistry, they are so good at transitions like from one thing through to the next, it's always guided by like a, a melody line that's leading you somewhere or a slow down or just like a gentle pull back or a, you know, a driving force or a, or a drum fill that leads into a part, but it never feels like we're doing this. And now we're doing that and jump and jump. Cause chopping and changing is really kind of common in progressive metal. You kind of see it with a lot of bands. I mean, like bands that I've been in have done that before. It's like riff salad, we're going to do this, but like these guys, and I would put Gojira probably in the same category as well that it's just like there is no wasted moment in any song and the transitions are all beautifully done so that's all I'm gonna yammer on about with the album but it's really good in (laughs) short
0: love it amazing all right well there we have it the one prog album that Jim Gray thinks that you and I should listen to is Watershed by Opeth Jim thank you so much for your wisdom I can't wait to listen to it from your point of view
1: no worries Thank you for the the questions guiding me along, because otherwise I would have just made jokes the whole time and they wouldn't have been good.
0: I mean, I like that too. I'm a sucker for a bad joke, so. (laughs) Down Joke O'Clock
1: with Jim, everybody. Thanks for listening. COVID brain. I'm a melty man.